And then my favorite thing is later seeing a video from the high school and going, oh my gosh, that kid was in my choir in fifth grade. And now he's singing a solo with Jen Appleby at Clovis High. Like this is the coolest thing ever because they're still doing it. And so that's really rewarding for me to see them continue on. This is Jason Roach, and welcome back to the ACE Pod, a production of ACE, the Association of Clovis Educators. You know, we are two plus weeks into our public launch, and as a, as expected, and as a, as an appropriate facet of the democratic conversation, there is an active opposition group making a case against ACE. We we totally welcome this conversation, but unfortunately. Some of the claims made about ACE and those of us that comprise the membership are the sort of ad hominem attacks that have so debased our public discourse. And the one that stands out to me the most is this idea that we are only in this for ourselves, that we are a collection of selfish and lazy educators that somehow have found each other and that we don't care about kids. This, of course, is utter nonsense. And it is utter nonsense that only works as an abstraction. Once you scrutinize this claim with any degree of specificity, it falls apart. And of course, there are plenty of folks uh, opposed to ACE that I work with uh, at my site. And they would never make this general claim about me specifically. They couldn't. They couldn't because they know my body of work. They know how much I care about the young people I serve. And this is true of all the educators in ACE. If you listen to the educators that have appeared on this podcast, it is impossible to miss the joy, the pride, the love that these folks have for their content, their craft, and for most of all, their kids. ACE is about doing our work better, about serving our students better. This pernicious claim is easy to make, but one that proves impossible to support. After all, Clovis hires the best, and ACE is a reflection of that value. Our guest on this episode surely is. She is a veteran elementary music teacher and someone that is deeply devoted to her students. So let's get to it. Amy Scott, welcome to the Ace Pod. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yeah, of course. I'm excited about this. This is, uh, you know, I think uh, you you work in an interesting role in the district and one that a lot of us uh, don't have a lot of kind of understanding about. So. Let's just yes. start uh, before we get into that role. Let's start about kind of your journey to Clovis Unified. How did you how did you get here? Uh, well, I mainly grew up in Oakhurst, which is up the mountain. I don't know if you've ever been there right before you get to Yosemite. And um, I was there from sixth grade through high school and I was in choir the whole time. I felt like music saved my life multiple times because it motivated me made me love school. It gave me somewhere to belong. It gave me a community to be a part of. And it did the same thing for me when I went to Fresno State and I kind of got lost not knowing what I wanted to do. 
And I was still singing in the choir there with Dr. Hamry. And I remember going to her and I said, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And she said, well, you're always welcome in our family and you could be a music educator. And I thought, okay. So I became a music educator and I've got my bachelor's and my credential and student taught in Clovis. I student taught at Rayburn and I student taught at um, Dry Creek and Cole. Uh, my second semester, I loved elementary because that was my final student teaching. I did it with Roxanne Cousins at the time. And after that, I graduated mid-year, which was kind of odd. So there weren't a lot of jobs at the time. So I actually took a job in Raymond, California at a K through eight school with 80 kids total. It was kind of like Little House on the Prairie style. And when I would go there, I had no phone service. Um, so it was like, see, I'm going into the black hole. Like, I'll see you later. But I learned so much. They kind of let me build that program and try different things. And um, and then over the summer, Clovis opened up some part-time positions. So I interviewed for uh, 30% at Sierra Vista. And then I ended up picking up another 30% at Miramani. So my first year... My first four years, I actually was cross area, Miramani, Clovis East, and Sierra Vista, Clovis High. And then eventually I moved full time all the way into Clovis High area, and I've been there ever since. So this is my ninth year in the district. Wow. Okay. So um, just out of curiosity, where uh, where was this little house on the prairie? Where's Raymond? Raymond is very close to Oakhurst. I don't know exactly how far, but it's a little tiny town. So those kids ended up going to my high school. They would get bused. Is that uh, Yosemite High? Yosemite High School, yes. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and you know, just they were there for a semester? Yep. Yeah. And I was only like, a, I was only there once a week, you know, but sometimes they let me sub <laughs> and then I would come in and I'd get to sub there. And it was cool because, you know, you want to talk about small town. I know Clovis, they, we have some of that too, or they, you feel that way sometimes, but it's nothing like the principal was the basketball coach, the math tutor. I mean, everybody did everything there at yeah. that school. It was cool though. And then, you know, just to explain your job there, what, what, what did you do there? Uh, well, the classes, there are only like four teachers. So it was like K, K1 or K through two, I think was a class. So I taught them music. And then I did the three, four class music. And then there was, or maybe, sorry, it was K1, two, three, four, five. And then the there was a teacher for sixth, seventh, and eighth all together. She taught them. And so with them, I broke them down into little electives, I guess you could call it. So I had like a percussion class randomly. <laughs> they let me buy drums. So I'm like, okay, let's dress, buy some drums. And then I did like a, a musical with them. And I think I did a music appreciation class with them too. It was cool. Cause I kind of was just doing whatever I could think to do. And I knew my classes were like three to four kids, five, you know, five to eight kids or whatever. It was small. Yeah. But kind of an exciting way to begin your career. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of choice. Sometimes that could be a little scary, but uh, yeah, it was a little daunting, but they were very like, they were just really grateful to have that kind of, I don't know, to have that kind of program available to their kids. Cause they felt like their kids didn't get a lot of those opportunities. Right. right. And then uh, just going back to kind of your school experience um, or just maybe your, your kind of love of music, what, um, what, sorts of things do you like to sing? What sorts of things in high school did you do sing or in college that? Well, I'm a, 
I never really took a lot of lessons until college. I'm kind of a, I used to sing with the radio constantly in my room, hours on end. Any pop song I could sing, I wanted to be, you know, Christina Aguilera. I used to have sync collages on my wall back in sixth grade. I mean, that was like the teeny bopper time frame. That was my whole that was my whole thing. Um, but I was in all the talent shows and stuff. And then once you're in choir, I really liked, um, I liked, I like choral music a lot. Um, and Broadway, super fun. So college was good. It was the, the soloist part. It was very opera over there. Not really my favorite, to be honest. Um, but still valuable, but I didn't want to be an opera singer. I'd rather sing up like Broadway any day. So like with the kids now we're doing for the final song of the year, I'm teaching them. I'm still standing from the movie sing because we want to have something upbeat to end the year with. So that's what we're doing. Right. Um, Okay. So let, let's kind of move into, so you're, this is your ninth year in Clovis Unified. Is that? Yes. Yeah. So nine years. And then, you know, just uh, kind of explain kind of, as 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 best you can. What is what what is your job? What do you what do you do like on a daily basis? <laughs> yeah, I told people before that we're sort of the the elementary music teachers are kind of like the ninjas of the district because we are at one site one day and then you don't see us again for two days and then you go where where are you at today? They never know where we're at, but that's okay. Right now, I actually get to report to one site, which is super rare for me. So I've been coming to Sierra Vista every day because I'm online. But before that. My job entails, basically, I'm the lead choir teacher at three different schools, Gettysburg, Sierra Vista, and Cedarwood. So I teach fifth and sixth graders, and they come to me twice a week for 45 minutes. And uh, we teach, we learn songs, we learn two-part music. So I teach fifth grade apart, I teach sixth grade the other part. They're separate. And then I combine them at a certain point, and we practice together a few times, maybe two to three times, honestly. And then... We get to go to Clovis North for a festival in November, usually. That's our practice one. And then we go back in the spring and do another one, more professional. We have uniforms. And we also do a winter concert at school, a spring concert at school. And we get to go on a community service trip during the year where I usually take the kids to a retirement home in the wintertime, which is like my favorite thing to do. And usually the kids' favorite thing to do also. And then I teach first through third grade. So I basically say at Gettysburg, they say, okay, I'm in charge of the first grade teachers there. So there's four classes. So I have to schedule 30 minute sections for those classes. So say on a Thursday morning, I go, okay, I'm going to see two first grades from nine to 10. So from nine to nine 30, I see one. I teach them my lesson of that week. See ya. Next one comes in, start the show again. See ya. Next class comes in. So it's kind of like they drop their classes off to me. And I get to see all first, all my first through third grade classes I see once a week for 30 minutes. And so we have to schedule all of our schools around that, plus our ensembles. And then, so it's yeah. very puzzly when you're trying to put a schedule yeah, together yeah, at the right. beginning of the year. Yeah. It's always kind yeah. of fun. And, you know, how do, do, you, do you work with the teachers to figure out that schedule or is it told to you? I actually, we get to, yeah, we work with the teachers. So we're kind of, we as an area will get together and be told, okay, you need to be in charge of this grade level. And then we sort of try to even out the sections among us. So nobody's way over. And um, 
And then at that point, once you know what you're teaching, yeah, you go to your, the schools and, and I try to make sort of a mock-up schedule myself first that I know I can do the driving time and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Cause many of us have to travel during the day. Like you can't usually stay at one school in one day. You have to travel. So you got to take into account recess, lunches. Of right. course, schools are on different time schedules. So trying to figure that out and then drive. So yeah, I try to do a mock one and then I say, Hey, is this, you guys okay with this? Pick a slot that usually works out. Okay. And, um, could you just uh, explain what is, what is like, uh, and I, I'm assuming, I, I guess I don't know, but is, is the music program K six across the district, the same what's offered to students? Yes, it is now. Um, and it has been for the next, for the last few years. So everybody first through third, well, first through fourth grade gets at least a half an hour a week in their class. And then fifth and sixth grade, we are on the choice model now, which came into effect. Clovis North started it and then it slowly sort of went to all the areas. It used to be fifth and sixth graders had a choice to audition to be in groups or not, but they were pull out. So they would come to our choir band or strings programs during their class time, the choice model made it so that all fifth and sixth graders had to be in either band, choir, or strings. And that way, all the fifth graders exit at the same exact time and go to either me or the band teacher or the strings teacher for 45 minutes twice a week and sixth grade the same thing, which I understand in a lot of ways is great, but we did fight that for a long time because there were kids that wanted to do strings and choir that were very successful in both. And they, this, this eliminated that from them. And also it, it forced kids to be in groups that maybe they didn't want to be in music at all. And oftentimes as the choir teacher, they sort of end up in our room because they're like, well, I don't want to play an instrument. So what's the least thing I can do here? (laughs) So then they end up in my room and I'm all about taking whoever. I love all the kids to come and I try really hard to win them over, but it can be challenging to um, have kids in there that don't want to be there. And it kind of goes against my philosophy of wanting the kids to feel like they belong and want to be there. It would have been like somebody telling me, okay, Amy, you got to play volleyball or basketball. And I'd say, well, I don't, I don't want to do either of those things. No, you have to, but I don't want to. And then I, my lack of skill and lack of care is going to bring that team down because choir band and strings is it's, it's, it's teamwork. Yeah, I know that my my son and I think when you know he's a seventh grader right now at Rayburn, but um, I think his fifth grade year what might have been the first year of the this new choice model, um, and we we honestly tried to get him to choose choir so that we didn't have to worry about an instrument. Um, but then he chose, of course, the cello. <laughs> how did that go um yeah it was two years he did pretty well um but yeah we could tell that he you know he didn't love it and you know yeah yeah I think it was overall a good experience yeah um lugging that cello around and then you know um you know the the one from school broke um, and then, and then we ended up having to rent one from the local. Well, in the East area, you guys are so impacted with students that my colleague over there, she had a choir. I mean, it was humongous. Yeah. I think she had 60 to 70 in one 
section with no help. You know, we get a, we get an accompanist and they come once a week so they can come one of the two times, but they're not really there to crowd control. They're there to play the music for us when we're ready to perform. So that's, um, that's an issue. I mean, that's, I've been lucky to have student teachers help me, you know, with that, some of that stuff. But if you don't have that, then yeah, it's just you and you're trying to make sure, okay, 50 kids, let's get, you know, everybody's sing at the same time. Okay. I know you hate it, but please stop talking. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of, a lot of kids. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, what, this sounds pretty unique, right? It, um, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't know how other elementary schools work in other districts and their music programs, but you know, talk about what, what makes music programs in Clovis Unified different. Yeah, I think Clovis does a great job. You know, again, choice has its ups and ups and downs, a choice model. I have seen kids um, think maybe the ones that maybe thought they wouldn't like it do end up liking it. You know, there are those stories where they have turned it around and go, you know what, I actually kind of like this. And that is a success. That is a win. And so that's exciting. I think it's good to at least let kids experience that, experience performing as a group. I think it's good for their psyche. You know, I think it's good practice to get up on a stage because you're not alone. Um, and then just having the little cla- the classroom music, that's not very common. I know it's coming back in certain districts, but I didn't have it, you know, up in Oakhurst especially. I didn't have classroom music the way we do where they're actually learning the basics of music theory and we do, we, we sing songs and we pat the beat and I teach them how to match pitch really young. Cause they do winter program from first to fourth grade uh, in the winter. They, they practice songs and I have a hundred first graders on risers in the winter singing all kinds of stuff, snowmen and whatever. And it's great. And they look adorable and it takes me like three months to get a 10 minute set you know, performable, but it's all worth it because the parents love it and the kids love it. And they, I have the kids speak. I have them announce their songs. So I get a few six, six year olds that get up there and they, they will say our next song is Frosty the Snowman. And like, they do it really well and they memorize it. And, um, that's just not common that, that, that a district is going to take the time to say, this is important to us that our kids experience music as a core curriculum from the age of first grade all the way to sixth grade. And I think it's a testament to why our high school groups do so well. You know, Clovis North Band is going to the Macy's Parade next year. And those kids probably had classroom music in first grade where they started to learn how to keep the beat. And now, you know, it just, they just flourish the older they get and the more practice they get. Yeah, I mean, this you can totally see this in the in the structure of the of the district, right? This kind of belief that you know, if you start early, right, we see it in performing arts, we see it in athletics, right, we see it in academics, right? That a bit like building the foundations, and ultimately, kind of it pays off in in you know uh, a lot of success in at the high school level. Um, so yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah. It's quite the quite the luxury, right? That we have to be able to build such a robust music program. Yeah, I love I love working with the little kids and getting them excited about music. And even though I do feel like I don't maybe get the best connection because I don't get twenty seven kids every day all the year long, I will have eight hundred kids a week because of like all the schools. Yeah, I did the math one time. It was a lot. 
But you know what? I still get to know their families because I'll have siblings, right? I have all the grade levels. So then when I get a new sibling, I'm like, oh, I love your brother. And then I already am in with that kid. And I feel like I have family members that come through choir. And then my favorite thing is later seeing a video from the high school and going, oh, my gosh, that kid was in my choir in fifth grade. And now he's singing a solo with Jen Appleby at Clovis High. Like, this is the coolest thing ever because they're still doing it. And so that's really rewarding for me to see them continue on. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, let's talk about, and I think, you know, you've hinted, hinted at a few there, but, you know, what do you see some of the top issues that are specific to kind of teaching music, teaching choir, uh, with which ACE could help? You know, I am kind of one of the, one of the outspoken teachers, I guess you could say. I care a lot about my colleagues, and so I've had many conversations with newer teachers that struggle to, they don't know what to do when, they, when they're given a bunch of sections. So when I first got my job, the range was 38 to 40 sections a week was full-time. And then it was like two years later, it was, okay, the range is now 40 to 42 sections is full-time. And then we would get a new school and they would, one year they said, okay, now the range is 42 to 44 sections is full time. And you would say, well, who, who made that decision? And it was just like, well, that decision has been made now. You know, you need to absorb those sections because there's no more APUs to hire a new teacher. So we got to figure it out. Um, so I've had new teachers come to me and, and show me their schedule and go, I have no lunch break on this day. And when they would show it to maybe an administrator who doesn't quite understand the nuance of this job, which I don't expect them to because they're not in it, they're like, well, there's a break for you right there. Well, that's their driving time. So you want them to eat lunch in their car <laughs> or eat a granola bar in their car. And I don't find that to be acceptable or respectful of our teachers who are seeing 800 kids a week, who are trying their best to get to know them, who do know them and who are trying to make them love music and help make our program so brag worthy later on down the road. You know, we love our accolades. We should teach our, we should treat our basic teachers with a little more respect. In my opinion, sometimes we have issues with facilities, which I know is a problem across the, the board, but there have been some, because of choice model, you have to have three facilities at the same time. And that can be tricky because maybe you don't have a portable or the portable needed to go to a different teacher because maybe a new, a new class opened up on that campus or more kids or whatever. So many of my teachers teach on stage, which can be okay, but some stages are not equipped or kindergarten's eating breakfast in there when they're teaching or they get kicked off of their stage because there's an assembly and they got to do speeches for uh, you know student body president or whatever. And so then their class is just canceled and so that's, I know that's upset many of my band and strings teachers because they're like, no one else would get kicked out of their classroom for anything, for any reason. And because we're at multiple sites, I understand it's hard to treat us like we're a part of that staff full time because we technically are not. But at the same time, we're there trying our best to be a part of that culture of that school. And sometimes you feel a little bit like last person on the mm -hmm. 
on the list or you get forgot. It feels like we get forgotten a lot. Like, Oh, we're planning the schedule for this, this, and this. And you have to go, Oh, what about music? Oh, that's right. We got to think about when music is happening. So there's a lot of that. So that can be an issue. So I really think facilities are an issue. And again, at a certain point, I do understand that sacrifices need to be made in teaching and I'm, I'm fine with that. I just have to ask the question at what point does that ceiling stop where they keep adding sections to us? Like who gets to say, well, that's enough now. And I don't think there's anybody there to check the administrator saying that your sections now are 45 to 46 or 45 to 47. Just make it work. I mean, who's going to come in and actually defend, legitimately defend our teachers and say, they don't, they can't fit that in. Right. So yeah. I do have a concern about that. And I mean, it sounds like you've already reached that ceiling a while ago, right? After some adjustment, previous adjustments. And, you know, uh, I would guess that you don't really have representation on faculty senate or? We do. We have one teacher that serves for all music teachers and that's secondary and elementary. So, and I love my faculty senator, but I think that there should be multiple senators. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, how many, do you know how many, um, music teachers at the elementary level? (sighs) Off the top of my head, I want to say there are 30 ish of us. I don't know. I could, I could count, but thinking about about the zoom meetings that we're in, I feel like there could be, and that's cross area because we have, there's about three, well, like in my area alone, there are three choir teachers for the eight schools. And then there are one, two, three, four, five, six instrumental teachers in our area. So there's nine just in Clovis High. And they all do the same thing as you, right? Nobody is just at a single site. They're all driving around. No, nobody. And actually, yeah. yeah, no, sometimes I'm lucky because I'm only at three because some of the band teachers and string teachers they can go to six or seven schools because they're also doing some team teaching here and there where they help each other. And that's kind of cool that they get to do that, but they are, they're driving to a lot of different places. Yeah. 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 All right. Sounds, sounds complicated. It sounds like you're in this kind of weird space where you don't really have a home. Right. And um, you're not attached to a single site. Yeah. And then. Well, and again, it's like, yeah, go sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I do love my job. And this wasn't, this is not a slight at my principal because this principal I'm about to talk about is a good principal. And he came to me with, with a respectful conversation and said, I don't know where to put you next year. I don't have a room. I had to give a room to special ed. I don't know what to do. Here's my idea. Can you teach in the kindergarten portable that only meets in the morning? So, the custodian will move the risers in there twice a week. We'll leave your piano in there and you can teach in there twice a week when you do choir. And I made it work, but it was way less risers than I usually would have. I had 46 graders in there, big kids that barely fit, good kids though. Like this wouldn't work at every site. So good kids. And I'm in a room, I'm in her room, like she has her kindergarten decorations, I'd have to move some of her sight words out of the way. 
she had to teach around a piano. You know, I know it wasn't her favorite thing that I would come in there twice a week and yeah. take over and then leave. So it's things like that where it's not really even just, it's not about me or her. Is that the best learning environment for our students? Are they, do they take it seriously when they know this is a kindergarten room? This is not a music room. This is a kindergarten room. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of inequity because there's not always those same, not every teacher is dealing with that same thing. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of inequity when it comes to the elementary music. And again, I know some of it is, it just can't be avoided. But my fear was if I do this now, how many years will I be doing this? And that's what it seems to be in Clovis. Once you say, okay, I'll do that. Well, they expect you to do that now because <laughs> you did it once. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Hey, this is a really important kind of aspect of our culture, right? Music and performing arts is just a huge thing in Clovis. Um, and we want to do it right. And we want to do it right for kids. Um, and like talking about these sorts of kind of barriers, um, you know, the amount of student contacts that you have, like I, you know, I, I have 180 students or yeah, 180 to 200 students and I get to see them, you know, every single day in a normal year. Right. And I get to know them and like, I just can't, you know, it, it's hard to imagine kind of how itinerant, right. That you're, you're, you're seeing so many kids at so many sites and just not having kind of a place to call home. And, you know, this idea that you're, kind of last on the list, right? Oh yeah, we gotta, what are we gonna do about music today when we have this other thing going on? So yeah, yeah. I think those are those are important things to, to list and important things to talk about and things that, you know, I think, uh, you know, we wanna, we wanna, we do this very well and it sounds like we could do it better, right? Yeah, and I, and I do wanna say that I have great principles. I don't think I've ever had an issue with any of my principles that I, I've always felt like I can go to them and say, you know, this would be better if we could do this and that. And I, especially, I love my principal at Sierra Vista. She hired me and I've been there the whole time. So even though I've been to different sites, I've taught at many different sites, I have consistently been at Sierra Vista for nine years. So that one feels like my home uh, the most. And I feel like I'm treated that way the most because that's my homeschool. And um, I have a good relationship with her. And she will always come to me and say, you know, I've always had a portable there. It's never been taken from me. And she'll always come to me and say, you know, we want to do this and that. What do you think? And she and the Red Bank principal are really good with the music team. They have meetings with us and they really take us seriously. And, and I do think that they listen to us. But but. I'm joining ACE, just not to jump ahead, but I'm joining ACE because I have many colleagues in other areas that don't always get the same respect. And I'm, I can't just do something just for me, right? Like it's bigger than me. I always, I really truly believe in that. Like you need to think outside your bubble. Maybe everything is good for you and you and your principal have a great relationship. I am so happy for that. And I have that too. I know people that don't. So who's going to stand up for them, right? So like I feel... I feel really passionately about that. Like we have to think outside our own bubble. Yeah, that, that's perfect. And I, I mean, I was going to ask you, why are you signing the union support petition? And I think you, uh, I think you just answered it. So um, I think thinking uh, beyond our own context, right. Or, you know, I'm in you know, room 713 at Clovis East high school. And, you know, I, I, you know, I love my students. I love the classes that I teach and, 
um, if I just hid in my classroom and not worried about what was going on outside, I think, uh, you know, things I could kind of pretend everything was, was fine. But, um, I think ACE is about, you know, thinking structurally and system wide. And I appreciate you bringing that up. So Amy, you know, I, I learned quite a bit about our music program and I appreciate the conversation. So thank you very much. Oh yeah. I thought it was great. Okay, welcome back. Every episode, we want to end by celebrating and honoring the students we serve. So, Amy, you got the last word. Tell us about your students. You know, earlier I alluded to the fact that every year I get to go on a community service trip, and I'm actually so grateful that last year I did all three of my schools in December, even though I remember telling myself, do I really want to schedule all of that, plus the winter programs at night with the little kids and the concerts, this is going to be the death of me. But I'm so glad I did it because if I had waited until spring, it wouldn't have happened. And um, that would have been really heartbreaking. So in December, I take each one of my choirs to a different retirement home and they sing their winter song set and we do a winter sing along. And my favorite one is the one that Sierra Vista goes to because they're the only school that goes there. There are a few retirement homes in our community that get visited by multiple, you know, performers. And because this one's a little bit smaller and it's right across the street from Sierra Vista, we we go there and there's actually two community centers and they're in the same parking lot. So we hit up both of them like a little tour. But one of them, they always cook and they always bake cookies and they have milk and juice for the kids. So we go and we take the bus, which is like a 30 second drive. And then we get there and I bring my big boom box in and I've got all my tracks and I've got all the kids and we line them up and they're just the best audience. And I feel like this is the, the, the trip that teaches my kids empathy and it teaches my kids how... Sometimes you just do something for other people and how when you do something for other people, it makes you feel really good because they just love those kids. They're smiling the whole time they're singing. They cry sometimes. And then after the kids sing, I have them go and sit with the residents, have some milk and cookies, have conversations. They love it. They eat the kids, eat it up. The, the, the residents love talking to them. And there's, and it's, it's like an hour. It's not a long time, but it seems to really make a big impact. I have kids that will still say, oh my gosh, Miss Scott, I loved that. Those old people, they're so cute and sweet. And oh, that old man, he was crying. Like he was crying. He said, we sang so well. And it just, if every audience could be like them. And I tell them that every year, you are, you guys are my favorite people to perform for. You're the best. And they always say, come back, you know, come back next month, come back every month. And I'm like, I could, I would, if we could get the bus for it. Like they just love, they just love the kids and the kids love them. And I've had kids who maybe didn't buy into choir that much go. I love that. I loved that. Like they're in now because that again, it gave them a sense of purpose for that moment and it's hard to teach people. It's hard to teach empathy. It's hard to teach why giving back is a good thing unless you experience it. And they don't realize they're going to experience that until it's over. And so there's been a couple of times where it's been floated that we would lose that trip. And I always make sure that I argue that, no, we need to keep this trip. It's so important for the kids. They love it. I know it can be kind of a pain to schedule it. 
but it's worth it. It's worth it for those residents. And man, it makes me a little emotional because of COVID. I don't know, you know, if we're going to get to do that or when we would get to do that again. That is a huge loss to my program. So, um, but I love that trip and the kids love that trip. And that's a, it's a good one. That, 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 that sounds extraordinary. And um, let's, let's hope that next year we're, or next school year we're, you know, as back to normal as, as possible. And that, that trip gets to happen again, because the way you describe it, it sounds like it's such a valuable experience for, for everyone involved. Right. So, yeah, it's so, great. Yeah. So appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to talk to us tonight and uh, appreciate your, your contribution to this district and your commitment to our students and to your, your, your colleagues in the district. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Columbus educators and all of you out there that have tuned in, we thank you for joining us in the conversation. To engage further, you can find us at www.ClovisEducators.org and at our Instagram handle, at Clovis Educators. Remember, there is nothing wrong about having this conversation. You cannot legally be punished for participating, asking questions, listening to this podcast, attending a meeting, and ultimately, if you choose to, signing the union support petition. These are your legally protected rights. We are ACE, we love Clovis Unified, and we will see you next time on the ACE Podcast.